then I felt confident enough to take the next step into manifesting a book deal. Yeah, break that down. How does one do that? With really tough skin and a lot of rejection. It was so hard, Christina. Um, I had always wanted to write a book. I was a journalism major in college. And I've been talking about writing this book since, I don't know, high school. I didn't know what I was writing a book about, but I was I was going to be an author. I am so excited about this episode for so many reasons. We talk about so many things. You are going to love Michelle Dempsey-Maltak. She is back, people. She was on this episode a long, long time ago when I first started it. And since then, she literally has a whole new life. And she's created an entirely new brand for herself, an entirely new business, And she's made it super successful in about a year. And I'm talking like Simon & Schuster book deal successful with a brand new brand, business, everything. She's going to break down how she did it all from start to finish. I interrupt her every five seconds to ask for more clarification, to ask for more details, all of it. And then we just go off on a tangent and talk about what we're watching and loving on Netflix. So there's that. You're going to love this episode with Michelle Dempsey-Maltak. If you are, I mean, a working parent, a business owner who has even considered doing anything else, if you are a business owner and you're like, I don't know about this niche I'm in, maybe I want to try that. Or even if you just have a hobby. Like this is, I mean, Michelle monetized something that, She didn't even think she could monetize when she started doing it. And she just saw these opportunities and turned it into something amazing. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Michelle, welcome back to Become a Media Maven. When was I first on here? Like You were like, I was... Yeah, I was looking at it. You were like literally episode number six. Girl, I had a whole different life, a different husband, a different (laughs) career. We've come a long way, sweetheart. I know. And um, that's kind of why I want to have you back on. But yeah, episode six. And now you are episode, this is 128, but we've done a whole lot of other things in between them. But I'm really excited to have you on because last time... We talked about promoting yourself on social media so you actually make money. Mm -hmm. And a big focus on that was the freelance writing you were doing for yourself, the writing you were doing for other companies. Are you still doing that? I do that now here and there. So I write for parents, um, which is wonderful because they really have a great – a great page for women who are going through divorce and and parents who are dealing with co-parenting. And that's the focus of my work right now. Um, Here and there for Scary Mommy, if they ask me to. Aside from that, most of my content now is really just geared towards my blog, my website, social media. And I was working on my book for like a long time. So that took up all of my brain space and energy. But the stuff you're writing about now and talking about now, you were not 
when no. you were on the podcast last? No, when I was on your podcast last, I was focusing big time, 200% on growing my independent little marketing business. I did content marketing. I was blogging, doing email marketing, doing social media for people and small businesses in the area. And I was focusing all my energy on that because something inside of me knew that very shortly thereafter, I'd probably be a single mom. My marriage was like hitting the skids and I wanted to be financially set on my own to be able to take care of my daughter and I, should I happen to get divorced. I was writing all about motherhood and date night and all those types of things for all these different publications. And then once I got divorced about probably six months after you and I recorded that podcast, um, the nature of my content shifted. I asked Scary Mommy if I could write these articles about divorce and started sharing all of that on social media. And it became a really big thing. At first, I was nervous how people would perceive it and would I lose followers and are people going to be like, what the hell is happening? But they came like in droves to, to hear what I was saying, because at the time, no one was really talking about that kind of stuff. And it really helped me shift gears into where I am now. And it took a little bit of time. I mean, I, I didn't really sell off my marketing business until the beginning of COVID. I was just so emotionally done with it and so emotionally invested in the divorce arena and helping women through that. So it took about three years to fully make the transition over into what I'm doing now, but I'm so glad I did. So what did that look like? Like with the marketing business, did you have a team where you slowly just like not into it anymore, like not taking on as much work. So the team wasn't getting as much work and it just kind of like fizzled out while your energy oh. went that's what it was. That's exactly what it was. Um, you know, when I started my business, everybody needed a blog. Nobody knew how to do it. No one knew anything about social media. So I was slammed with clients. It was great. I had scaled a little bit. I had a team. I wasn't really doing any of the work. I was just face to face with the clients at that point. And that's how I had always wanted it. And as I got pulled more to the side of working with women and divorce and all of that, I was not so quick to answer that random email from someone who was interested in my services. And yeah, it fizzled out a little bit. And I gave more and more responsibility to my project manager, who was basically handling everything at that point. And when I spoke to her and said, look, COVID hit, and almost all of my clients said, we're going to need to put a pause on things. Like, can't afford to pay you if we don't know what the hell is happening with business, which made sense. And I said to my project manager, I said, whatever, whoever wants to stay, it's all yours. Like, I don't want anything from it. Enjoy uh, a couple of clients I gave to other bigger marketing teams that could handle, handle what they needed. And I just like walked away. And at this point, you were like, this is an opportunity for me to focus on this stuff that I'm more passionate about and try to monetize it. Because I'm <clears> assuming that when you started, um, like with scary mommy and parents and a lot of the freelance writing, I think we should be clear with a lot of freelance writing that people do. Sometimes you'll get paid for an article and sometimes you won't. And a lot of times it's just, you do it to build your personal brand to get book deals and more followers and things like that, which we'll get into. But I'm assuming when you started writing about this stuff years ago, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to build a personal brand in this and I'm going to turn this into my next career. It just kind of 
you started it and then did it accidentally happen? Like it was growing and you were like, oh, I can actually like monetize this. Yeah. By the end of 2019, most of my content was focused on divorce and moving on and co-parenting, which meant most of my DMs were from women asking questions that I didn't really know how to answer or I didn't feel comfortable answering because I didn't have any credibility yet to do that. So I said, you know what? I'm Everyone's got a podcast. I'm going to start a podcast. So I did. And what I did was I took all the questions that I was getting and I found experts that could come on and speak to these things. Lawyers, mediators, therapists, dating Real housewives. Well, yes, it's, it's transitioned into lots of real housewives. I'm going to have a real husband coming on soon. Um, but I thought this is the best way I can answer these questions. And then from there, it was where can I buy your book? Or do you work with people one-on-one? I love your insight. I love your vibe. And then I was like, well, shit, I could work with people one-on-one and do this. You're right. There are divorce coaches out there. So I got certified first as a coach and then as a certified divorce specialist. I didn't even um, know, like, can you get like, like you could get certified with as mm-hmm. these things? Like, how does that, did you just Google it and be like, oh, I could do this? It's interesting. Things kind of come full circle. I was doing the marketing for an organization called the NADP, the National Association of Divorce Professionals. And it's kind of like a uh, a BNI, but solely for lawyers, therapists, uh, realtors, and finance professionals to get educated on helping people through their divorce. Because those are the industries that see the most divorce clients. So these two brilliant women started the NADP, they have chapters all over the country and they asked me to help them with email marketing, whatever. I kept in touch and lo and behold, one of them reached out about a year ago and said, you know, you'd be perfect for our certified divorce specialist program. You know, you're coaching. That's what we're looking for. And I was like, oh, okay. So I took this program and it was incredible. I did it. What do you learn? So basically you're learning a lot of terms. You're learning a lot of the legal terminology, the different kinds of divorces, divorce routes that people take because there's not just one way to get divorced. Um, The issues that come up in real estate, the financial stuff you have to go through. So you're just like learning the well-rounded stuff, not just your personal experience stuff. So you can work with other people. Okay. Work with other people. And, you know, people are recommending clients to me. Lawyers are like, okay, you need more handholding than I have hours in the day. You need Michelle. So that was really great. And I was so happy to do that program because then I felt confident enough to take the next step into manifesting a book deal. Yeah. Break that down. How does one do that? With really tough skin and a lot of rejection. It was so hard, Christina. Um, I had always wanted to write a book. I was a journalism major in college and I've been talking about writing this book since, I don't know, high school. I didn't know what I was writing a book about, but I was, I was going to be an author. And last summer, my grandpa who's basically like my father, cause I don't have a father, uh, got very ill and my grandfather rest his soul was he, he put me through college. No questions asked. I didn't have any loans. He put me through grad school. He has always supported my academic and educational dreams. And as he got sicker and sicker, he would always say, where's the book? You got to give me a book to read. What did I, what did I spend all this money for? And I'm like, he's like, I don't even know what a blog is. What is this? A blog, like really old school. What was his name? His name was Alvin. 
we referred to him as Alvi, and he was 94. So late June of, of COVID year, Bella and I baked this huge cake to celebrate his 94th birthday. And about a, a week later, he became terminally ill out of nowhere, and he uh, passed in late August. Woo, getting emotional. Um, but that was his thing. My darling, when are you going to write this book? So before he died, uh, he had gone up to New York. My family wanted him to pass away in New York, where we're from, so he can be buried there, and it would be easier on my grandma to just have everything done in one place. And I went up to see him at the very end, and his nurse said, listen, honey, don't expect much. He's got, he doesn't have much in him. He'll feel your presence, you know, all of these things. And I walked in the room and he, his eyes lit up and he said, my darling, I've been waiting for you. Where's the book? And I, it's so funny because at that point I had started working tooth and nail to put together an outline and a proposal to find an agent. And I sat at his bedside until two days before he passed, plugging away, putting together this proposal. And I got the deal shortly after he passed. And I, well, I, I got the agent shortly after he passed. And it just all felt like meant to be and, and manifested and all of that. So um, I got rejected by my dream agent. And I didn't take no for an answer. How and did you determine who your dream agent was? One of my best friends from childhood, since I'm three years old, worked in the New York City publishing industry for years until she stopped when she had a baby a couple of years ago. And I asked her, like, who do I reach out to? And she's like, well, there's this one, but like, she's never going to answer you. She's like the JLo of agents. She <laughs> asked me, but she rejected me. And I was okay. like, you know, her response was something like, you're not big enough on social media. Nobody knows who you are. And at that point I had like 60,000 followers and a blue check. So I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what else do I need? You know, it's impossible to grow your following these days. And she, re she wrote back because I was a little bit like, strong with her. And she said, you know, I apologize. I didn't really do my research. You have a great personal brand. I, I Googled you and see you've been writing for years. I would like to see you refine your idea because I don't love the idea the way you've presented it. Maybe you should work with a book coach to really put together a solid proposal and come back to me. I was like, done. So I got myself a coach. Best money I ever spent. I mean, my, my, one of my best friends at the time was like, takes money to make money, got to do it. And so I did it, bit the bullet. I'm like, God damn it, this better pay off because it was expensive. And the agent finally took me on. What was the change in working with the book coach? What, I what had happened? a much more clear process of, of how I was going to write the book, why I was writing the book, and how the book would be outlined. Before, it was like this mumbo jumbo of like, it's just going to be a book that helps women. And I didn't really, you know putting together your book proposal or putting together a table of contents is like sketching the blueprint for a home. Like it has to be solid and it has to make sense and it has to flow and there can't be any kinks. And that's what the book coach really helped me do is nail down like a really solid table of contents and outline. And so the agent started shopping me. Who around. is the book coach? Plug the book coach. Her name is Jenny Nash. Okay. She is a badass. Okay, we'll link to the badass in the show notes. Yeah, no, she, she, I don't think she knows, she knows how badass she is. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, she does. <laughs> a lot, owns it, and then really inspired me to charge more. I was like, thank you, sister. Okay, mm. cool. We'll link to the badass in the show notes. Okay, <laughs> so you work with her. How long was the process from when the dream agent, can we, can we get the dream agent's name? Yeah, Joelle. Joelle. When, when Joelle told you to, 
rework this till when you went back to her with your new info. How long was that? Joelle told me to rework it in early August. Um, then my grandpa, whatever. Uh, I started working with the book coach the day of my grandfather's funeral. And that was beginning of September. I went back to Joelle in mid-October. So it was about six weeks with the coach working mm -hmm. day and night, Christina. Like I didn't sleep. I didn't do anything else. Bella was homeschooling here in my playroom with, I, I hired like a babysitter to help her because I had to get this done. Went back to the agent mid-October. I got the book deal mid-December. And what does that process look like? Oh, from it looks like nausea, hot sweats, night sweats, vomiting, cold sweats, <laughs> um, loose bowels. Um, <laughs> I got rejected by 47, I think, publishing houses at that point. Um, and my, my agent love her, but she was like, listen, you're a first time author. Nobody knows who you are. You're probably going to get a deal from a small publishing house. You may not get a book advance. If you do, it probably won't be more than a thousand dollars. And I was like, listen, I don't fucking care at this point. Just get me a book deal. Then the deals were not coming in. So then I was like desperate. And so then she's like, I have three deals. I have a question before yeah. you get to the three potential deals during this time, Joelle's working her magic, trying to sell the proposal to these publishers. Do you just, are you just like in a waiting period or is that when it's like, keep with the podcast, keep with the social. So when they come and look at me, like they are impressed, like it what was, is your role? It was do as much as you can to stay relevant. And in that time I happened to do something with a housewife. I went on her show and next th next morning, I was all over the tabloids. I was in Us Weekly. I was in Entertainment Tonight, TMZ. Which one was this? What was this? It was Bronwyn from The Real Housewives of Orange County. Yeah, what did you do with she, her? She had me come on her show and talk to her divorced followers. This okay. started off a shitstorm of speculation that she was getting divorced. And then me and her, it was like our faces all over the tabloids, like, Bronwyn working with divorce specialist, Michelle Dempsey. And it was, I was like, oh my God. And I texted her and I'm like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, I'm so excited for you. This is going to be great for you. <laughs> and so did you pitch her to come on her podcast? Is that how that happened? No, we became friendly over social media. She started following me. And back in the beginning of the pandemic, I was helping um, an organization called Masks for Heroes. And we were collecting masks when there wasn't enough PPE for our frontline workers. Um, and she was very generous in helping me. So we struck up a friendship and I love her. And she's gotten the shit out of the stick in the media recently, but she's a great, 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 generous, warm-hearted person. Um, so during this time of being pitched, um, I was relevant in the news and I was doing my social media and running my workshops and, and all of the things. Um, and so then three deals come in. Well, two deals. One was like, unknown publisher, no money, maybe royalties if I if the book makes its money back. One was one was semi tiny publisher, $1,500 book advance. Okay. And then she said, but you're not going to believe this. Simon and Schuster wants to have a meeting with you. And I was like, excuse me, what? Because I literally had been saying since high school, I'm going to write a book with Simon and Schuster, even why though Simon and Schuster, I mean, obviously, they're huge. But like, why them and not like Random House or Little Brown or Penguin? I, well, I just associated Simon & Schuster with 
books representing personalities. And I knew a lot about it having grown up in New York and, and been obsessed with the literary world. And they always put out stuff that I loved. So they wanted to have a meeting and I was shitting in my pants. Like I made my husband stay home from work. I got my hair done, makeup professionally done. I'm like sitting in my little home office and I- And just so you all know, if you haven't seen Michelle's hair, for her to get her hair done, she's got so much hair. That's like a mission in itself. Like if I had a 10th of the hair that she has on her head, I would die a happy woman. Oh my God. Side note about the hair. Go on. Stop. I'm blushing. Um, <laughs> so I had, it was a Friday afternoon at four o'clock, right? I had this meeting with them and it went really well. Like what I is knew it, it like it, a zoom meeting. It was a zoom meeting with the editor who was interested in my proposal and the marketing team who would be responsible for marketing the book and they all wanted to meet me and I felt like they were trying to convince me and I'm like and is Joelle there with you Joelle's in the meeting okay and my husband was listening at the door Mm -hmm. and literally like I hear him like oh my god oh my god like outside the door because they were like and and when you when you work with us and when you work with us they were speaking like it it had already happened but of course I get off the call it's Friday at four o'clock and I'm like (sighs) I don't know. And um, then I have to wait the whole weekend. I, I don't hear anything all weekend. So I'm, I'm convincing myself that somebody at Simon and Schuster is like, yeah, it's good, but we're over it. We're not giving her a deal. It's, it's mid December at this point. The weekend goes by Monday. I don't hear anything Tuesday. I'm unable to breathe. Okay. But- I know what happens. And right now my heart is racing with the way you are telling the story. And I know the outcome by Wednesday. I was just, miserable. I hadn't heard anything. My, my agent was like, look, I know it went really well, but like things can fall through the cracks. So don't get your hopes up. And I'm like, fine motherfucker. So, um, (laughs) Wednesday was D day. That was the day that my agent. So when, when multiple offers come in, agents put a, a deadline date, she blasted out an email to all the interested publishers or the people still reading my proposal saying you have to make a, a, an offer by December 9th. It was December 9th, Christina, at noon. I was back in the back in the beauty salon getting another blowout. Oh. And I <laughs> I see an email come in from it was forward offer for Michelle Dempsey Moltak. And at the same time, my agent's calling me. And I was like, stop the blunder. And I answered the phone. And my agent was like, Are you sitting down? And I was like, barely. And so it wasn't just an offer. It was an offer and it came from my dream i have chills it came from my dream publisher i have chills yeah it was honestly i just feel timing is everything and what you want can happen if you do work your ass off for it but a lot of this i feel was just orchestrated by having my grandpa light that fire under my ass and finally saying like it's time and me being motivated by by the end of his life and knowing full well that like I was going to do this my whole life. I remember walking into high school in ninth grade and one of the teachers who was like kind of pervy, but he was like, "Uh Oh, this one's going to be different. This one's going to make a name for herself. And I was like, I didn't, I, I didn't know why he was saying that, but like, I still hear that. And I've worked so hard to do that. So I'm so happy it's happening. Okay. When you say they gave you like an offer, you're seeing it in email. Joelle's on the phone with you. Yeah. When you say an offer, is this like, does that mean like lots of money 
as an advance to Mm -hmm. write the book? And then how does that work? Like you keep that money if the book sells a lot. If the book doesn't sell a lot, you give that money back? No, no, you keep that money. Oh, like you get it. So you get half the advance when you sign the contract and the other half when you deliver the manuscript. So that was the other thing. They said, listen, we want to put a rush on this. The, you know, divorce is way up in the pandemic. It's really relevant and timely. Can you get us the manuscript in six weeks? I was like, of course I can. Write the whole book in six weeks? We, I had so much of it written already, but yeah, I, I probably had about a quarter of it written and then I, I knew once you have the table of contents, though, I have to say it's like you're plugging and playing. You're just like going through it. It's so much easier that way. And when uh, you have people with like big checks to write you to get it done, that'll light the fire under your ass. Yeah. And I rehired my coach to help me to the finish line. Um, I knew to be able to get it done in that time frame, I needed a really strong second pair of eyes to help me. So we did that together and we brought it on home. I delivered it a week early. And now it's, we, we went through the editing stage. I think I had to make like two minor edits, which was the beauty of working with my coach through this process. Um, and then we shot the cover a few weeks ago, which was really fun. And so okay, we, what was that like? What was the oh cover? Oh my God, like? Christina. So. What did you feel like Beyonce? It was, yes, totally out of body. I, I did not know what to expect. Uh, in early January, they asked me for some headshots, recent professional headshots, because they were going to start putting together looks for the cover. So I was like, oh my God, you want me on the cover? And they were like, well, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So I sent them what I had and it was good, but I guess not great. Cause then they were like, two months later, they wrote me in early, well, no, it was like late February. They were like, so we're scouting locations and photographers for your cover shoot. I was like, oh, I'm having a cover shoot. They were like, yep, um, you know, we'll, we'll have our team reach out to you with wardrobe ideas and all of that. And then they sent me, the name of the photographer and I looked him up and I died. He's a Sports Illustrated cover photographer um, and just does amazing, amazing things with his camera. And I and I knew they chose him because they wanted, I mean, the pictures he takes like really portray like strength and grit and determination. And that's exactly the look I would have chosen for myself. So um, we scouted a few locations and he came to my house to meet me. And then we shot at a really cool location down in Little Haiti in Miami. Um, it's called Little River Studios. Oh, I've and been there. You have? Yeah, it's they over. have really cool different, like Set. different looks in different places. Yeah. We shot on a few different sets. Um, it was like an all day thing. I started hair and makeup that day at like 4 a.m. One of my good friends came with me to keep me calm. My makeup and hair person was there because they said that she needed to be. She had to literally touch me up in between each shot. And so now we're waiting on the cover design. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And do, does the book have a name yet? It does. Do you want to know it? Uh, yeah, I'd like to include that. It's available for pre-sale already on Amazon. It's Mom's Moving On, Real Life Advice for Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. So you like named your book when you named your podcast, Not Knowing. I Yeah, well, when we were coming up with names, because we had to give it a title before I pitched it to an agent and to publishers, we were all over the place. And and one of the people on my book coach's team was like, hello, mom's moving on. And I was like, oh, duh, that's like my whole brand. It's a podcast, my website, my business. 
Um, and I had all these other like title ideas that would have been so stupid. So I'm really happy we stuck with, with keeping it on brand. Okay. I'm going to link to it in the show notes because it's for sale on Amazon yeah. already. Yeah. When is it going to be available for all? Do we know no, yet? Not for a while. January 11th, 2022. Isn't that wild how they're like, write this in six weeks, but when you're done writing it, nobody yeah, can get it for another year. It had a release date of October, um, which is why we had to put a rush on it because anything going to print in the fall had to be done by March. And we had a meeting last week where they said, you know, our biggest marketing push is new year, new you. And this really fits the new year, new you category. So it only made sense. And I'm, I was fine with it. I'm not patient to begin with. So I figured if I can wait till October, I can wait till January. Um, just like take a pill and sleep until then. I don't know. So, yeah. So that's the story there. And that's uh, an amazing story. I was like on the edge of my, I love just like, I knew a bit of it you know, but I love hearing like the nitty gritty parts of all of it. So then like, what's, what's next now? I would assume, you know, you got to help do some book promotion. Rumor has it that a lot of these, even though you do have a big publisher, the reason why they want you to have somewhat of a following is so you can sell the damn books because you know, they're not going to, they're not going to give you a book deal if you can't sell the damn things. Right. Yeah, there is, they, they do expect a lot, but, but I have to say they are giving me a lot in terms of marketing and promotion and stuff. So I am grateful to that for that, but I know it's going to be like a two way street. Like I'm, I definitely have my work cut out for me. So I hired my own marketing and media team. That's going to help with all of that. And um, you know, we're building funnels and, doing all sorts of fun stuff like that. So we'll see. I think as we get closer, I will start putting more into play in terms of promotion. I don't know. It's still so far in advance. Right now, I'm trying to get people to sign up, you know, for my book release list and and be the first to know because there's so much great information in there for anybody at any stage of divorce, especially I think it's a great book to read just if you're unhappy in your marriage and you're wondering like what life is like on the other side, what the process is like, what you can expect from co-parenting, what it's like to date again after divorce, like all of that is in there. So I do think it offers a lot of great perspective, no matter what stage of your marriage or post-marriage life you're at. I did a podcast episode with Ashley Bernardi and she is a book publicist. So for anybody listening, if you are wondering the ins and outs of book publicity, she can help you there. And then I also did another episode, episode 56 with Maria Desmondi. She was a teacher turned children's book publisher. So that's fun too. And then I also did another um, episode with Azul, who is a book coach as well. So yeah, that's industry I'm learning. Yeah. So that's episode 26. So there's a lot of, for anybody who wants to be a writer, like Michelle's episode is amazing with the process. And then there's a lot of other episodes you can listen to. And if you're interested in this whole book coach thing. So my book coach is, has the reputation she has because she is who you go to. If you not just want to become an author, but if you want to become a book coach, she teaches other people to be book coaches. She's brilliant. You would love her because she scaled this whole business and like monetized herself and, She's wonderful. And she runs all these programs and courses on work and workshops for other people who want to coach writers in their process. That's amazing. 
This is such, I love, I love your story because it's so, it's like such a transformation, you know, like Snooki from the Jersey shore. Like she was, she was quite the woman on the Jersey shore. And then you look at her now and I would not call you Snooki, Michelle. I would not go that far. (laughs) I'm here for it. But it's just like such a trans, like you've always been a badass person. I've always loved you. But like when I met you, you were married and you were like, I'm not going to be a teacher anymore. I'm going to be a writer. And then you had this marketing company and now you're doing something like in such a short period of time, something completely different and super successful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I do. I'm very impressed and very proud. I do live every single moment, like either working or thinking about working or thinking about how I can do better or reach more people. So I'm a little bit obsessive in that sense because I, I'm, a, I'm constantly trying to be better and level up. Like I'm really into personal growth. I'm really into career growth. You know, I know that I don't know at all. So I'm always seeking to learn more. And I feel like that's, that's where the difference is between like making it and not like you have to accept that you don't know it all and you got to pay your dues and like get your hands dirty and commit to being better in any way that you can every single day. And you've always been very good at doing what you want to do and not giving a shit what anybody else thinks about it or if they're going to judge you. Like, you don't care. Like, this is where you want to go and you're going to do what you need to do to get there. Yeah, you know, someone made a comment once whose name shall go unmentioned. Like, oh, you're changing careers again. And I was like, you know what? The pessimist sees the glass as half empty. The optimist sees it as half full. The opportunist just fucking drinks it because she's thirsty, right? Like, that's <laughs> when you I've never heard that. When you see opportunity, what do you do? Do you say, oh, I don't know. People might say that I. it's weird that I made another change. Or no, you go after that opportunity. Nothing brings me more joy than the work I'm doing now. The fact that I get paid for it is like a bonus. Like, the women that I've helped and and the testimonials they send and the fact that they swear they couldn't have gotten through it without me, which I think they could have, I got through it alone. But that's what it's all about. And creating a sisterhood in a community has been fantastic too within my membership community that I have on my website. And I just, you know, someone has something to say about what you're doing. It's because they're threatened or jealous or could never have the balls to do it themselves. Don't even get me started on people who give advice from the cheap seats. I mm. wish I had a dollar for every non-business owner who gave me advice as a business owner. Like, what the hell do you know about running a business? Like, who are you to give me this advice right now? Yeah, and look, with with the content marketing that I was doing, I started to say, like, when I started it, everybody needed it. When I was phasing out my company, Everybody was getting it for $20 a month from Fiverr or, you know, overseas. And I had to roll with the punches. I am married now. I'm remarried. And God bless my husband. He's generous and wonderful. But I constantly live my life like if I'm a single mom one day, better be able to take care of myself. And I don't want my daughter to have to like want for anything. So that's why I hustle. So what does like a typical day look like for you? Like I'm very scheduled. I like a color-coded Google calendar. I like to focus on one thing for each business a week. Like what does your day look like? Because you do coaching, Mm -hmm. you need to, um, 
you know, work on driving traffic to your website. You need to work on, you know, keeping your social media followers there and engaged. Right now, you're not writing a book, but you were doing that. Mm-hmm. So, like, what is what what do your days look like? So, right now that I'm done with the book, um, I drop Bella off at school at eight. I work out every day. Which, by I, the way, I mean that's another. I mean that's I think can that be the next um, niche that we talk about is how to have a banging body because this one, if you don't follow her on the social, her stomach has disappeared. So she could teach you a thing or two about looking fine in some workout gear because it's Michelle is doing shutting that. your mouth and moving your ass. No, I'm just kidding. I eat more than I've ever <laughs> eaten because I finally learned to not be scared of carbs. Anyway, um, I wake up, I work out, and then I I see clients. Hold on, let's go back. What kind of workouts do you do? So two days a week, I do like a heated cardio Pilates class. Oh, that sounds terrible. And three days a week strength training with a trainer. Okay. So you do it. So, so Monday through Friday, you don't, you don't miss. Monday through Friday and usually Sunday. Damn girl. For how long? It's been about, I mean, I've always worked out, but like working out and also eating for fitness purposes, I would say 10 months. And is this something that you enjoy or something you force yourself to do? No, I love it. But did you always love it or did you learn to love it? I've always loved it. I've always loved it. You're one of those I'm people. The girls tonight and I'll be eating french fries. Like I don't not enjoy myself. I just work hard the other days of the week. Um, so what now? So oh, after what do we I work out, we wash the long, luscious, thick hair and then what happens? Yeah, right. I wish I had time for a shower. I literally <laughs> rush home, put something on my face and get down to it with the Zoom calls. So I, I see clients every day of the week. Um, because I, I tried to keep it to like one or two days, but everybody's schedules are always changing. So I have clients. Is that your main source of income is the coaching? The coaching. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you promote the coaching? Is that just like, it comes naturally through your social media and okay. Yeah. And then, and then there's a lot of referral. Um, I can imagine in that industry. Another thing I do, I host monthly group workshops. So I have two workshops every month where they're broken into four sessions. I only take five women and we focus on a topic for the month. And typically those women in the workshops, I would say three out of the five of them always convert to one-on-one clients. That's a very good conversion rate. Yeah. So that's, that's wonderful. But, um, I, I have my clients till about noon. I have lunch. Um, while I'm having lunch that last hour of the day, I'm checking in with my marketing team. They're doing all my emails and my website stuff and uh, my podcast. They're putting all the videos on YouTube now, I think. I don't even know. But um, I have a meeting with them every Monday at three o'clock where we go over like our strategy for the week and what they want me to focus on. And Tuesdays, I record podcasts. I try to record as many as I can in a day. And then the rest of the week kind of just goes. My daughter's carpool starts at 1.30. And so I feel like I have half a day to work. I work a lot at night after she goes to bed or when she's with her dad, because she's with her dad half the time. So I get a lot of good stuff done in the quiet of the night, but I'm tired and I go to bed by nine o'clock because I'm old. I love going to bed early, but it's hard. God, I love it. This week I've really been doing that. Are you watching anything good like on Netflix? 
We watch everything. So okay, cool. what are you liking? Obsessive show watchers. Right now we're finishing the fall, which is a couple of years old. I had watched it before, but we're rewatching it because my husband hadn't seen it. We loved um, The Undoing. We loved Your Honor. The Undoing was good. What do you think of the ending? I loved it. My husband hated it. Right? It's like it is a love or hate thing. Okay. Yeah. Have you uh, seen Jenny and Georgia? No. Michelle. Wait, did you watch? Um, Michelle, Jenny and Georgia is like your fucking niche. Is it really? Oh, my God. You have to. You have to start. Jenny. It's amazing. Oh, well, watch it on vacation next it, week. Thank you. Not only is it hilarious, but it's also serious. And there are some divorce, co-parenting, a little bit of murder in there. It's oh. it's really good. Okay. Okay, so that's added um, to your list. What else we got? Wait, my guilty pleasure. I can't even tell you it was so bad, but it was so good. Virgin River. I haven't. I've heard it's good, but I haven't watched it. You are a woman of substance, and you enjoy good writing, and you are a good writer, and all of those things. You're going to be like, what the fuck am I watching? But at the same time, you're not going to want to stop watching it. Like Emily in Paris? I didn't watch Emily in Paris, but I imagine it's very similar. It's so okay. surface and yeah. so written to like, you know, engage the girl in Miami, me, and like, you know, the woman who is just crying over her husband who's just left her and she's in her 60s. Like it's So it's, it's not clever like This Is Us. No, 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 no. It isn't clever <laughs> at all. But it's wonderful, and I, I love it. I binged it. Um, we watch a lot of things. I'm mostly into though, like murder, murder stuff. Yeah. Tell me your secrets was really good with Lily Rab. I love her. I haven't seen that one. Oof, so good. Okay, you know what I liked? No murder, but it was amazing. Was Shit's Creek. Oh, yeah. Schitt's Creek was hilarious. That was like our, I feel like our pandemic show. Yeah, Shit's Creek was like the perfect thing to watch when everybody was miserable. Right. It was great. And it's full of Canadians. And as somebody who lives in a house full of Canadians, you cannot go wrong with <laughs> Canadians. <laughs> They're lovely people. Okay. This podcast just went really sideways. But like I told you before we started recording, I just want to hang out and talk to you. So that's kind of this where this was is. Fun, and I can't wait to finally <laughs> get lunch like normal people. I know we will. Like I, as of April 10th, I will be safe to go out and about um, so I will come and visit you. Like, even though, listen, people, if you are not local to South Florida, it sounds like you're close to people because you're in South Florida, but it is a mission to go from one county to the next and sometimes even one city to the next and yeah, well, one side, like east to west. Really moved. I mean, you didn't just move. You like moved. Girl, it's not that far. It's a suburb of West Palm Beach. You're yeah. in a suburb of what? Is it Fort Lauderdale or Miami? What Miami. do you call it? Miami. Yeah. It's kind of in between, though. It's like exactly in between. Yeah, it is in between. But we are we are the last city in the in county. In Miami-Dade County. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So we will see each other very soon. Okay. Thank goodness for the bright line and the yeah. new, the new two, stops. Two I'll be on there. For sure. Okay. I'm going to link to everything in the show notes. MomsMovingOn.com, your social, NADP, Jenny Nash, all of the things. Your book, Moms Moving On, on Amazon. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Make sure you check out the show notes for this episode. You can always find them at becomeamediamaven.com. I link to everything that we talked about. And I appreciate you listening. I really, really do. I don't have any more podcasts scheduled in the near future. I'm going to take a minute 
to focus on some other things. As you know, I have Podcast Clout, my software that is designed to help people land more guest opportunities on podcasts. It makes building a pitch list super easy, saves you tons of time. So I'm going to focus on that. I'd like to build that a little bit more. I need to make sure my team at Media Maven has everything they need to be successful. I am obsessed with them. I would not be where I am at without my team. And I want to make sure that I give them everything they could ever want or ever need to be successful. And I am putting a new, more strategic focus on Christina Alday. Christina Alday is a blog that I started right when I left TV news. When you're in TV news, I mean, it's very different now. But when I was in TV news, I wasn't allowed to, you know, wear my hair in a ponytail if I didn't have special permission or was standing in a hurricane, for example. So when I left TV news, I thought, oh, I'm going to start a blog and I'm just going to say whatever I want because I'm not allowed to have an opinion anymore. So when I was allowed to have an opinion, I said, I'm going to start a blog and I'm going to do that. And it was just kind of like a thing to do, not anything to monetize. And now that I know more about SEO specifically, I find SEO to be super interesting. I am going to put a little bit more effort in that. I've been working with somebody on a rebrand, so it's going to have a whole new look and a whole new feel. And I just really like, if you follow me on Instagram, you know I like just to hang out and do fun things and share what I'm doing and, you know, here's a recipe for this and this is my latest and greatest find on Amazon. So I'm going to put a little bit more effort into that. And instead of just doing it to do it, I'm going to be a little bit more strategic because I've kind of been just doing it to do it for years. And if I'm going to do it, I might as well do it right, you know? So that's why the podcast is going on a little hiatus. I don't know when I'm going to be back. And I don't know what it will look like when I do come back, if I'm still going to be chatting about the same things, but I will still always be here. And you have almost 200 episodes to scroll through and learn more about. I mean, like I mentioned in this episode, we talk a lot about, you know, all the different things we've talked about regarding book publishing and writing and and that. So there's still so much value you can find here on the podcast. So make sure you are sharing it with friends and... Um, you can always find me on social at Christina all day. So I will be there and 